Dewey Do, a podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning, hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Stephan, alongside radio personality, Kyle Bogey. All right, a little bit of a milestone here. Episode 10 of the What Do We Do podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dewey Stefan. Dewey, been a, a fun ride here so far. I can't believe we're already 10 episodes in. Uh, and I feel like, I, I don't know if it, it comes off as well as it maybe should, I feel like I've learned a ton from you in the financial business. I'm watching CNBC every morning. It's great. Bogey, it's great to see you. It's unbelievable that this is episode 10. It truly is, right? June 1st to now. Unbelievable. Absolutely. And we have a lot to get to on this episode. I want to start, though, by, of course, making mention of a little bit of an honor here. Uh, Back to back to back, I believe, uh, you know, years in a row with Channel 4. One more back. One back more back. To back, <laughs> to back to back. This is four in a row. I don't know what to do after the, the three-peat. It's the... Not one, not two, not three, not four. Yeah, we uh, thank you so much. We just received notice that we uh, were awarded first place in the Best Financial Advisor in Metro Detroit from WDIV, the local NBC affiliate. So we're proud. We're ecstatic. My team has deserved this honor the last four years, and we are uh, proud, proud, proud. And and really quick, you know, don't want to touch on it for too long. Obviously, it's a nice honor, but you know, Great Lakes Wealth obviously doing a lot in the community. I see you all all over the place. You know, whether you're you know trying to support small businesses by ordering uh, you know a little dinner or lunch, whatever it may be, you know, doing as much as you can to to just try and help out during these unprecedented times. Well, what started with COVID-19, the pandemic back in uh, February, certainly brought it to um, you know people's attention. But we've been a firm believer in being a part of a community since we opened our doors four years ago, right? So this is something that we will do whether we're in challenging times like now versus you know fabulous times that we expect in the future. It's just part of our DNA here at Great Lakes Wealth, and um, you know we're going to do what we can. We think that many hands make light work. And just if everyone gives a little, it ends up being a lot. And if you want to find out you know, a little bit more about what Great Lakes Wealth does, certainly visit the website, greatlakeswealth.us. And of course, uh, continue subscribing, downloading, uh, rating, sharing, liking everything. Uh, the What Do We Do podcast, again, episode 10, really excited about this. We are going to get underway by taking a look back at the market last week, a little bit of volatility. We've used that word quite a bit here over the first 10 episodes, um, but it, it's for a reason. There's a lot going on. Then, of course, we're going to kind of step away from that and take a look at the S&P 500, do a little sector breakdown uh, of all 11 sections, if I'm not mistaken, of the S&P 500. So we'll do that. And then, of course, we'll end as we started to do a little bit here with some sports, you know, because obviously the Tigers are going. Baseball is back, at least for now. Commissioner Rob Manfred might take it away, but got to get into what's going on with the Tigers. A nice little start for them. What's sustainable? What's not sustainable? So, for starters here, let's go back to you know this past week, and it was down, 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 
And then Friday, of course, rebounding. What what did you see go on, you know, within the market this past week? So before we get into that, I'm going to take one more second to just congratulate my team here at Great Lakes Wealth Bogey. Is that okay? Of course. Great. I'm going to introduce them via this podcast. And if you want to learn more about them, please go to our website, greatlakeswealth.us, and you'll see each of their bios. But we're so proud to have them here that I'm remiss if I don't spend a second just to acknowledge them. Right. First is uh, my right-hand gal, Carmela Easton. She's our director of operations. She is the glue that keeps this place together on a daily basis. And without her, the machine just doesn't run. Uh, Helping her and assisting her in the operations area is Terry Ofeno. Terry is our operations specialist. Terry's been with us for over a year now, and she's got several years of industry experience. And also, she's the first person you may talk to when you uh, call in or stop in in the future when, um, you know, uh, it's more acceptable to do that. But uh, Terry is uh, a shining star, and she's going to be building some fantastic future in the business, and we're excited to have her on board. In the back, we've got Bruce Palin. He's a senior wealth advisor here. Bruce has been with us for several years. His experience spans decades. He is our options strategist. He is also our income generating specialist. Bruce is a fantastic uh, pillar in the community of Northville, and uh, we want to give a shout out to Bruce. Thanks for all that you do, Bruce. Also, we've got Michael Lautenbach. Michael is our CFP and financial planning specialist. Bogey, when you come in to have your daughter's financial plan put together for you know college and that's after, not far off, not far off, as well as your <laughs> retirement plan, you know, and the things that you've got going. That's when we'll uh, we'll introduce you to Michael Lautenbach. Michael starts the process of all things planning, right? And as you like to say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, <laughs> right? So, Michael, thanks for all you do. And we really appreciate your efforts on a daily basis. Also, we have Rachel Himmelsbach. Rachel is, uh, you know, also uh, such an important part of the team. She is our marketing and social media uh, associate, and she spreads the word. She gets the word out of what we're doing. Without her efforts, we would be doing great things, and no one would know about it except for you know our family, which are our clients. So that would be the last member of the team that I'll recognize are all of our clients that are out there. We appreciate you for all that you do. To to uh, uh, work with us and that uh, without you, none of this is possible, but we appreciate your trust in us and we do not take it for granted and we work hard every day. And as you said, you know, if you you know want to check out or learn maybe a little bit more about the team and, you know, what Great Lakes Wealth uh, does here, you can certainly go, you know, to the social media, follow Great Lakes Wealth, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, and of course the What Do We Do podcast has its own pages as well on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. So uh, always good to highlight the team. And Bogey, we believe that knowledge is power, right? And we are actually in the process of onboarding several new employees. So we won't announce their names yet, but in future podcasts, we will celebrate them getting on board. But if there is anyone out there in the business that is not happy where they're at and is looking for an opportunity at a firm that is growing, and I believe doing things the right way, please check out our website under employment opportunities. We're looking for good people all the time. And again, that's greatlakeswealth.us. So excellent way uh, to to get the podcast started. Speaking of growth, we are seeing some growth, some not. 
it goes up, it goes down. You know, certainly taking a look at last week. Uh, again, we'll start there, I suppose, before we branch off into the sector breakdown with the S&P 500. But w- what did you see going on in the market last week? Yeah, bogey. So early in the week, you know, people were getting nervous, right? The markets were dropping and people were like, oh, no. And I think a lot of it had to start with COVID-19 is back. And a lot of states that had opened are now... Um, either just freezing the opening and no longer opening, and some are shutting back down. So I think recognizing the economic impact of the uh, COVID-19 2.0, as some are referring to it, um, certainly, I think, spooked the markets, as well as some earnings reports early in the week that weren't necessarily the strongest. And maybe these companies uh, were talking about the challenges that are there, right, Bogey? So early in the week, that was kind of how the tone was set. Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve, he Uh, comment on on their policy. And he said that they will continue to be supportive and kind of do whatever it takes, if you will, and they have all the tools necessary, and that they were going to keep interest rates basically at zero. The market initially took that as a a sign of uh, strength or a positive comment. But on Thursday, when the markets opened, here we are going down again, because people kind of had 12 hours anyway, to uh, analyze that commentary and put it in perspective and realize that, oh, no, we might have some challenges ahead of us. Uh, Also on Thursday, GDP numbers came out for the second quarter, and it was over a 9% decline for the quarter, which annualizes over 32% year over year for the GDP decline. Historic. Unbelievable. And off of that, then the market rallied on Friday. Did you see that book? I did, yeah. And, and obviously, there was some volatility all week. There was, however... Um, one specific industry that you know shot up, and of course, it's the race to find the vaccine for COVID-19. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but it, it did seem as though people were jumping on. You know, some of the companies that are in on the ground floor for that research. Did you notice anything or see anything kind of crazy going on there? Yes. So again, the headlines rule the day on a daily basis. And one day it's that there is a phase three trial starting for uh, a vaccine, right? Then the next day, oh, wait, everyone knew about that. And actually the efficacy is not there, right? So again, it's one day, it's this, the next day, it's that. And we're encouraged that there is phase three trial that is uh, underway now. And we believe that there are you know, solutions that are going to be, whether it's for a treatment or the vaccine. But the daily headlines, if you get caught up trying to, trying to invest off of those, good luck. Again, you <laughs> trade off of headlines, you invest off of the facts longer term. All right. Uh, so, anything else you want to add about last week and what you saw? Well, yeah. So, the biggest news was then on Friday. So, on Friday, you had the technology juggernauts. You had Apple announce earnings. You had uh, Amazon yeah. announce earnings. Yes. So, you had the technology juggernauts announce incredible earnings. Incredible earnings. We'll touch on them when we get into the sector breakdown a little bit. But at the end of the day, their comments pushed the markets higher on Friday. And also, in the sectors, we'll talk energy, Chevron and several other energy companies came out with earnings, and they were abysmal. They were very, very challenging. And so, you I hate to use the cliche, tale of two cities, but you've got a tale of two cities going on. You've got the haves and the have-nots with the market. And we talked about this in our one of our very first episodes, Bogey, that we wanted to see Q2 earnings, and they're coming in. More than half of the companies, the S&P, have reported now, and we are seeing 
where the opportunities uh, for strength are and the opportunities of weakness. But maybe you want to, you know, buy the dip. Maybe you want to buy the weakness. Maybe some things that are doing really well that's already priced in. So there's a lot of work to do. And we're going to get into it sector by sector today. Speaking of some of those companies that you mentioned too, Facebook, Amazon, you know, Apple just growing exponentially. It's always amazing to me to see what Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, you know, whatever, their net worth just skyrocket based on, you know, a couple of days or based on an incredible quarter, whatever it is. It, it makes you go, wow, they just made how, how much money in one day? You know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And the market, again, you've got to remember that the headlines and the news outlets, they're here to sell. You know, they want eyeballs and listeners, right? And so when the market has a bad down day, they talk about how many billions they lost that day. <laughs> yeah. And when the market has or their stock has a great update, they talk about all the billions that they made. There's no question that their net worths have, you know, um, appreciated handily this year. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, there are just as many companies whose uh, millionaires or billionaire CEOs have lost some of their net worth this year due to the performance of their companies. If you take away those juggernauts that we just talked about in the tech sector, I'm talking Apple, Microsoft, which we didn't mention yet, but Microsoft is up there, Google and Amazon. If you take them away from the S&P 500, the return would be 5% lower on the year, which would make it basically zero on the year. But these uh, four companies, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, make up 15% of the S&P's total, and they are up 33% year-to-date on average, right? If you take them away, something like 60% of the other stocks are still down 20% from their highs on the year. So you, if you have the right stocks for now, those four horsemen, you're flying. You're flying. But again, <laughs> a diversified portfolio, you have to recognize. Again, sometimes you want to buy low and sell high. Other times you just want to, um, you know, keep on keeping on. So let's kind of hone in there. Um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll push the NASDAQ and the Dow to the side. We're going to focus on that S&P 500 that we've talked about quite a bit uh, throughout the podcast. So let's do a little bit of a sector you know, breakdown here. And obviously it's weighted based on different industries and, you know, certain ones play a, a much bigger factor uh, than maybe other industries do. But I guess we can start with the information technology and, and we'll just, we'll run through here, but that makes up what, 25.7% of the, the S&P 500, if I'm reading that correctly. Do you know about that? What specifically, I guess, has it done so far this year? Yeah. So we call that the tech sector. Way to go with the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> the the tech sector is the largest weighting in the S and P five hundred. And again, for those that listeners that may not you know understand all the details quite yet, take the S and P five hundred and break it into eleven sectors and make all eleven sectors total one hundred percent. Right. So we're going into that area of math. Think of we, like a pie chart. Think of. of just a pie. <laughs> think of the pieces of a pie. But Apple, cherry. I'm going to ask you. Are you an apple guy? Or are you a pumpkin kind of guy? Right? Ooh, a, a nice warm apple pie is just, just the ticket, you know? In America, you wouldn't want it any other way, right? As American as apple pie, baby. Uh, so there's 11 sectors, and they add up to 100%. And, and you are absolutely correct. The largest uh, sector or largest piece of that pie would be the information technology sector, and it is over 25% of the uh, S&P. So it carries the most weight. 
Absolutely. And the names in there at the top of the list, Microsoft, Apple, you wouldn't believe it, these two, Visa and MasterCard, and then Intel, which is a computer chip company, NVIDIA, which also is a computer chip company, and on and on and on and on. So Microsoft is the largest at around 22% of that uh, portfolio, sector. Yeah. that sector. Yep. And then um, Apple is another 20%. And then some of them all kind of you know, funnel on down to you know 1% or less than that. So it's called a weighted index as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's undoubtedly kind of like w- what we just discussed. I mean, this is one of the bigger and most powerful sectors within the S&P 500 as far as determining the success or failure, the ups, the downs, etc. Yes, for now, right? Mm-hmm. So for the year to date, the tech sector is up about 15% on the year, 30% in the latest quarter, right? And again, through the end of June, the S&P was down three, and again, that was the number that I actually gave, that the tech sector was up about 15%, while the overall index was still minus three. Which makes sense, because people are on the computer, on their phones, you know, utilizing technology, not necessarily interacting with people. I got to believe that that plays a pretty significant role, especially this last quarter. We're going into sports all of a sudden here with you, Bogey. We're going <laughs> Monday morning quarterback. This guy's telling me. That I'm open. It makes sense now. Obviously, it makes sense. So for <laughs> sure, absolutely, right, with the stay at home that we witnessed. But we certainly, nobody out there that we talk to or uh, follow research from back in you know, March and April in the depths of the panic, if you will, were, you know, buying these stocks with reckless abandon because it was a no brainer, right? Because there is a situation where these stocks also fall the most. Just look at 2008. And actually, you can even look at how some of these fell in January and February as the market started to unwind. So there's absolutely a lot of reasoning and understanding as to why the tech sector is leading the charge. And we do think that's going to continue for the rest of this year. The next step down, uh, you know, another sector here in the S&P 500, and this is one that people are really paying attention to, especially right now. You know, we kind of touched on it with the, the race for the vaccine and what company I'm assuming that that falls under healthcare, which makes up a little over 15% you know, of, of the S&P 500. The next largest sector of the S&P is the healthcare sector, as you, as you said. And it is up, I think, through the end of July, 5% on the year. And as the second largest weighting in the S&P, it carries the second you know, largest load, right? And so, Maybe it makes some sense also because of the uh, need to focus on all things COVID and the rest of, you know, the healthcare issues of an aging population and the rest of it, right? So the healthcare sector of the S&P, the largest uh, component there is Johnson & Johnson. You heard of J&J? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Baby shampoo, you've Heck got some yeah. of that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No more tears. <laughs> Actually, you know what's key? If you have, like, uh, if you sweat, you know, we're both golfers. Okay, say so you play a lot of golf. It's a hot day. Okay, and you got nasty, you know, sweaty shoes and all that. You toss a little baby powder in your shoes, it goes right away. It's amazing. Right? Yeah, it is kills the right? odor. It's is incredible. Right? Yeah, you don't need to have a baby to use that uh, Johnson and Johnson baby powder. Johnson and Johnson. Are they baby a sponsor powder. now? Should we get them as a sponsor because we just talked about that? Fantastic. <laughs> Let's give them a shout. Give them a shout. Uh, but right, they have their uh, baby shampoo <laughs> yeah, and they oh, yeah. have baby powder, right? <laughs> yep. But they have many other you know components to their company, and they are absolutely involved with COVID nineteen mm-hmm. research, and so they make they are the largest weighting in the healthcare sector of the S and P, and behind them is United. 
United Healthcare, Merck, Pfizer, AbbVie, Abbott Labs, and then some other names you may not be so familiar with, but Thermo Fisher uh, Scientific, which does testing, and then Amgen, Eli Lilly, and uh, then it goes down from there. So it's a list that includes uh, industry breakdown of pharmaceuticals, but also healthcare equipment and healthcare providers. The subset inside of there is biotechnology. That's actually the part of the uh, the healthcare sector that we're most interested here at Great Lakes Wealth is the bio uh, biotechnology, and also there's life science and uh, services inside of there. It's a very important part of the S&P, absolutely. Based on what's going on in our country, you know, the pandemic moving forward, got to believe the outlook for Q3, quarter three, with the, the healthcare sector is pretty good. No, I, I would assume. Well, so there's a lot of things that we're paying attention to. So mm-hmm. you have the, you know, if, if there's a headline that there is, again, the phase three trials of COVID testing or COVID vaccine are successful. Um, you saw some, again, some government, uh, government, some government dollars that went to several, um, you know, biotech and healthcare companies to help, you know, um, I can't remember what Trump and the government has called this like attempt to eradicate as fast as they can or get to the solution of COVID-19 and the vaccine they have. Anyway, so with that being the case, also besides COVID-19 and the race for the cure, you also have an election election year cycle and historically the Republicans have a far different approach to health care than the Democrats do. And so depending on who's jockeying for the White House or who's in the lead on any given day, and not just as president, but in Congress, that also will weigh on uh, the forecasting of health care because of whether it's health care reform or health care uh, you know, status quo. Uh, another interesting sector here in the S&P 500 is the communication sector. And that's one, you know, again, I, I got to believe is doing well, you know, o- over the last several months based on, again, the fact that, you know, most people are home, most people aren't, aren't interacting, I guess, what makes up that sector? So this is the hidden jewel, if you will, of the S&P right now, Bogey. And you're really? not going to know this. You're not going to know this. But there's a sector that's no longer in the S&P called telecom. The telecom sector is now the communications services sector. Does that make any sense telecom, at all? Telecom. A little telecom. bit, yeah. So in the older days of the S&P, there was the telecom sector, and that was your AT&T, your Verizon. It was all of your phone companies, mm-hmm. okay? And then I think it was uh, June of 2018, they decided to combine the telecom sector with some other of this communications services sector and make it, because the communication services sector wasn't there, and just make it evolve. Because again, in the telecom sector, telephones were kind of becoming antiquated, right? Mm-hmm. Ma, Ma Bell, used to be Bell South and Bell Atlantic and Bell here and Bell there, right? Well, in June of 2018, they combined uh, the traditional telecom. They added some names you might know. Check this out. Facebook. Have you heard of Facebook? Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Facebook yep. is not in the technology uh, sector of the S&P. Would you believe that? Really? Let's keep going. How about Alphabet? Are you familiar with this company called Alphabet? Alphabet? I don't think I am. Yeah. Well, you are. It's just uh, commonly known as Google. Oh, Google. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Google was where they uh, started their company. And then uh, several years ago, they actually changed their name from Google to Alphabet. And it's a little known fact that Alphabet actually has uh, two stocks that trade um, significantly, and that's Alphabet A shares and Alphabet C shares. 
topic for another day. Wow, yeah. We're going to talk about it another day, but some, a lot of people don't know about that. They have two separate ticker symbols, and they're both very actively traded. Story for another day. You've heard of T-Mobile. That's also oh, yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. But number five on the list in the communications services select sector of the S&P is Netflix. Netflix. You'd thought that, that would be in the sense. tech sector as well, right? Yeah. So makes there, sense that it's doing well, though. <laughs> it's well, and, and Netflix is absolutely doing well. Um, and there's Activision, which Activision Blizzard, which is gaming. You're familiar with that, I'm oh, sure, yeah. yep. right? And then AT and T, and then on down the list. So the communications services sector had, you know, been one that in the telecom days that people just kind of looked at and said, all right. Not really an exciting sector of the S&P. I'm not even going to go look at it. Now it is so important because of those tech names that are uh, ruling today. I guess we'll we'll take a look at a, a very tiny step down, you know, another sector in that S&P 500, and that's the financials, which I got to believe... You know, you are just all over and you know everything about, right? You know? Well, we are in the financial <laughs> services space, but we are not in the financial services sector of the S&P 500 for several reasons, most primarily because we're a private company. However, we are certainly familiar with the financial services sector. And the financial services sector is, again, one that you'll know the names, mm-hmm. but you may not be really aware of the largest name inside the financial services sector. Um, that's a company called Berkshire Hathaway. Are you familiar with I Berkshire? am, actually. You are. Well, not familiar, but I've yeah. heard of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, where, where would you have heard about it from, or what does it mean to you, Berkshire Hathaway? I, I don't know that it means a whole lot to me. I love the name, um, and I have, of course, heard it on CNBC, but that is the extent of what I know about it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's that's good enough, and that's a good start. But um, have you heard of a gentleman named Warren Buffett? Mm. We've, uh, we've mentioned that dude on here a few times. He is a legend, a living legend. And uh, if you're familiar with him, he has a little bit more money than me, right? Is that what it is? He, he I, yes, he, I'm, I'm sure he does. I don't know your net worth, and I don't know his net worth, but I'm going to assume that he might have a couple extra bucks. Let's get all his money on a table. I'll put all my money on a table. Let's add it up. There you go. Um, I've got a great story that maybe I'll share with you in a second. But Berkshire Hathaway is the largest component of the financial services sector, and he is the chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Right? Berkshire Hathaway is actually a conglomerate of hundreds of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, Dairy Queen, you familiar with Dairy Queen? Oh yeah. That's one of his companies inside of there. Uh, C's Candy. He loves to talk about his uh, his portfolio. Warren Buffett does in the um, you know if he can't uh, taste it and eat it and drink it, that's uh, you know drives what he thinks is a solid investment. But anyway, that's the largest holding in there. And then second is J P Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, BlackRock. Familiar with BlackRock? Yeah, that's a mutual fund company. They have more assets oh, under management. Okay, yeah, BlackRock is the uh, uh, ETFs. Traditional mutual funds, but BlackRock um, is the largest uh, money manager on the planet, as, as um, last I heard, over trillions of dollars that they. So manage. we're not talking about the franchise steakhouse, BlackRock. You, you, no, right. That's, that would that would that would be the food service sector that doesn't exist. You got me thinking about a fillet. You yes. know, now, now I'm hungry. No. I don't know. Yes, no. Let's not compa- <laughs> let's not let's not confuse the two, right? So a great a story, an anecdote, real quick for the listeners and for you. So Warren Buffett has his annual. Shareholder meeting every year, and it's in uh, Omaha, and it's a it's on a Saturday. I think it's a whole weekend event, and you have to be a shareholder, right? And um, you know, his, some of his uh, you know his one share of stock.
stock in his um, one class of a share stock is about eighty thousand bucks, right? So you know it's not a five dollar stock that you would trade on um, you know on your local exchange uh, in and out on a daily basis per se. But anyway, so the story goes that he's at his annual meeting, and this is um, five ten years ago when people could be within six feet of each other and were there in the auditorium for the um, annual shareholders meeting. You follow me? Of course. Okay, and so part of it is they give their um, they give their um, annual reports. The directors do, and they talk about the last twelve months and what they see here and there. Well, then they ask the uh, let the audience ask questions. Right, and so the story goes that uh, you know an elderly lady got up and they brought the microphone over to her, and Warren goes around and he's next to the you know the person with the microphone, and so he wants to like listen and be part of the the crowd. Follow me, mm-hmm. right? So I guess so. The moder- the person with the microphone walks over to this uh, uh, you know elderly lady that's just sitting there, standing there, excited but also nervous, and she says something to the effect of, "Hi, I I want to ask a question, but I'm not really sure that you know I I should or could because." I've only got one share of stock in this company, and so many other people, you know, have hundreds of shares, thousands, these big companies, and I don't know if I if I should be asking this question. And I guess Warren Buffett puts his arm around her and says, "With your one share and all of my shares, we own almost the entire company. You go ahead and ask your question, <laughs> right?" And so again, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit, but just a tribute to him to right to just put her at ease and said, "You know, add ours two together." Right, we got it going on. So that's a little uh, side note, anecdote to uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Berkshire Hathaway. But that's the financial services sector, and it also makes up you know a significant part of the S and P 500. Now, one that I know literally nothing about is the consumer discretionary sector of the S and P 500. What what? Is that even to be honest? Okay, well, this is kind of cool, and this goes back to uh, uh, you know financial uh, literacy one hundred and one, if you will. So, with the word discretionary, mm-hmm. so if you have discretionary income or discretionary spending, what does that mean to you, Kyle? On the down low, not really discretionary means that you, it's it's not mandatory. Mm-hmm. You can choose, right? So, if you have staples, is the other one we'll talk about consumer staples, but consumer discretionary means you have some money and you. It's not mandatory where you spend it, right? Your mortgage is your discretion. discretion. Your discretion, right? So this is a sector of things that you would get to spend your money on if you so choose, right? And so some would say that in a recessionary environment, in a tough time, maybe the discretionary pile is the one that you kind of, you know, you you stop first. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Okay. So here's the names that are in here. And again... As companies evolve, they change. So the number one holding in the consumer discretionary sector is Amazon.com. Have you heard of this company? Oh, of course. Of course. We talked about it in the prior episode, right? So Amazon.com used to be in the tech sector, but they moved it over here to the consumer discretionary some time ago, and it is 24% of the sector. It's almost a quarter. It on its own, right? Uh, Second is Home Depot, McDonald's, Nike, Lowe's, which is um, Lowe's, the other home uh, improvement store, and then Starbucks and Booking.com for travel, et cetera, and TJ uh, Maxx, um, which is TJX. Uh, and then it goes on and under. So again, it's the stuff that you want, not necessarily the stuff that you need. You got it. Stuff that you want, not the stuff that you need. And so we take a look at that in terms of where the economy is booming or um, receding and the consumer discretionary pays, plays a big part. Getting smaller and smaller here as we go. Industrials. 
What is this sector? Yes. So the entail? industrial sector is the sector that's kind of the backbone of the economy, if you will. It includes industrial companies, which it could be aerospace and defense. It can be building products. The biggest I kind of always think about is in uh, construction and engineering, right? Multinational conglomerates are the biggest of the, think of them as your Dow type of companies, those big behemoth type of companies, right? There are 73 companies that make up the industrials sector, and they include railways like Union Pacific, but it's only a 5% weighting. Honeywell, if you're familiar with Honeywell, mm-hmm. yeah. for 0.95, so call that a 5% weighting. Boeing, this is the big stock in this sector right now. Boeing stock, because of the issues with airlines and because of the issues with their uh, latest it's airplane, yeah. right? And the issues with it being able to. Uh, Hundreds of those planes were grounded, if I'm not mistaken, because of a. a, a- mechanical or engineering issue or something? Well, just a design issue, yeah. right? And then it's not necessarily safe to fly, right? The Dreamliner, I think mm-hmm. that's what it's called. But so Boeing is a stock that's lost half, it lost almost three quarters of its value. It's raised 100% from its bottom. So again, you know, some in the investment world believe that when they get it figured out, you know, you're buying it 50 cents on the dollar. Some say that they're going to need more government help to survive. What does Dewey say? Well, again, I we're actually here. Um, we do not have a position in Boeing at the firm. Mm-hmm. We take a watch and wait and see attitude a lot of the time. Better safe than sorry is kind of, you know, we talked about before KISS. Mm-hmm. Keep it safe, stupid. <laughs> so uh, Boeing's one we're watching, but we uh, really, for a lot of other reasons, we're not really excited about the um, airlines industry currently, um, including Boeing. But we will see what happens, right? Uh, but behind Boeing is Raytheon. That's a uh, government contract technology company. Uh, Lockheed Martin, 3M. 3M is a company that we do have in our aggressive portfolio here at Great Lakes. Well, we really think that that's a, a stock within this sector that has uh, some opportunity. Their most recent quarterly earnings came out, I think, on Thursday, and they were not that great. So, again, sometimes you have to recognize that you're investing for the long term and understand why you're buying things and what you're buying them for. So, again, within the industrials sector, it's uh, very important, but it's a way different mix of companies than you would find with those others that we've discussed. Let's move on to utilities. Just 3.3%, you know, I guess sector of the S&P 500. What, what, what is all that all about? Yeah. So the utility sector, again, that's a sector where, uh, you know, the name says it all, right? The utilities. So around here locally, it's maybe DTE, um, consumers energy, et cetera. But the largest names in there, the largest is actually Next Era Energy, which is 15%. Dominion Energy, Duke Energy, some we call it Duke Power, Southern Company, American Electric Power, AEP, et cetera, down the list. So with utilities, it's known as a uh, sector that usually does really well when the economy isn't because the utilities sector is known as a, being a dividend-paying sector. So a lot of the companies in here have a lot of free cash flow. And so um, the adage back in the day, and I'll tell you why it might be different this time, but back in the day, whenever the the economy was softening or the stock market was soft, people would leave technology and leave industrials and leave even financials and put their money into the utilities sector because they would say two things. I might not use my discretionary dollars and go buy you know Home Depot um, goods anymore, but I'm always going to pay my utilities bill. I'm always going to keep my lights on. Mm-hmm. And so in the worst of times, 
put my money in the utilities because I may not go buy a new Xbox. I may not go buy some lumber for my new backyard, but I am going to keep my lights on, right? So the utilities were almost um, known as not worth in wasting your time when everything else is booming, but when everything is, is, is a bust, put your money in utilities. And it, they, these companies pay huge dividends, 6 7%. Um, so that's known um, as a safe haven, right? Well, why is it different this time, you ask? Right, Bogey? Yeah. Okay. Well, this time, because a lot of the utilities creating power for those big buildings in the cities that are vacant because everyone's working from home. Mm-hmm. So you and me, we might have our uh, our power on at our home, might even be using a little bit more because we are Netflixing and we're we're generating power to mine Absolutely. Bitcoin or whatever we're doing, right? We're gaming and all this stuff. So we might have marginally increased usage of our wattage per but month. But it doesn't make up for all of these buildings. All of these buildings yeah. that are vacant. Right, so we're really checking out utilities now. So as the S and P is basically back to even on the year, the uh, energy sector is still minus. I'm sorry, the utility sector is still minus seven percent on the year. Right, so we're looking at it as a situation where do we. Get it? Do we? Do we? Do nice. we get involved in utilities while they're down, figuring that we will come back online or that these companies will come back and maybe people go back to these buildings or whatever? Are these Maybe the valuation, they're at a discount relative to the market. And we actually believe that um, there is opportunity there. Some would say that uh, you should wait it out and there's other places to put your money. But we think the uh, utilities sector, we had it as a underweight, but we now have it as an overweight so for a lot of reasons, particularly because of the uh, discount to the S&P and our belief that those dividends of those companies is going to stay solid, we are overweight utilities and we think it's an important place to be going forward, at least for the rest of the year. So energy is vaguely or, or a little bit a part of the utility sector, but there's also a separate energy sector. What's the difference, I guess, between the two? Yeah, that's a great question. And so the energy sector is different than the utility sector. And so, yes, you can argue, or at least, I guess, common sense or your mind may tell you that utilities is energy. But um, energy is defined as uh, companies that primarily develop and produce crude oil, natural gas, and provide drilling and other energy-related services. There are 26 companies in the uh, energy sector. Would solar energy be a, a part of that or no? No. So that would be actually back into the utility space. Okay. So um, whether you call them, you know, renewables mm-hmm. or you call them, you know, hydroelectric power and solar power, we look at that in the utility gotcha. space. So great question. And, uh, I, you know, who's to say that some of them don't overlap? Some of these companies, I would imagine um, some of these energy oil companies may have a division that's you know checking out uh, futuristic ways to um, you know generate uh, energy right but the the true uh, part of the energy index if you will the energy sector are behemoths that you're familiar with Chevron Exxon Mobil mm-hmm. are the two largest 23 percent basically each is awaiting so it's almost half of the index are those two stocks then you have Phillips 66 a company you may not be familiar with EOG resources uh, Kinder Morgan Conical Phillips Schlumberger Marathon Petroleum etc so again names that you might be familiar with the energy sector 
sector is the smallest weighting or one of the smallest weighting depending on the day of the S&P 500, but it is also the one over the last 10 years that has been the biggest bust relative to the S&P, right? The S&P over the last 10 years has returned an average per year return of 14%, annualized 14% for the S&P. Mm-hmm. The energy sector has an annualized return during that same period of 004 0.4. So basically in the last 10 years, you know, you've quadrupled your money or tripled your money in the S&P. Some of these other sectors that we didn't talk about how their returns have outpaced the S&P, mm-hmm. but um it's just a, a, a straight statistic. The energy sector used to be like over an 11 or 12% weighting of the S&P because of the pricing of the stocks and also the number of companies and um, what's going on within that sector. Again, it's now basically a 3% weighting of the S&P. Large analysts out there, large funds that invest in the S&P out there, don't even pay much attention to energy anymore, figuring that it's irrelevant because it's such a small weighting. We actually look at it as a potential opportunity. Um, If it is zero versus 14% per annum over a decade, maybe there's going to be a reversion to the mean, right? Maybe there'll be a period of time when energy jumps way more than the average, and that actually is what we saw in the second quarter. Energy in the latest quarter I know you were asking me, Bogey. I know you were fired up. Energy <laughs> in the latest quarter is up 32% in the second quarter, while um, the S&P rebounded 20% from the bottom. So it's outpacing it. Outpacing, right? So that energy and tech were the two sectors that uh, you know ruled the day in the second quarter. But um, energy was the worst performer last week. So if you're day trading... Good luck if you're investing for the long time. You also just need to make sure you understand why you're buying, what you're buying. And uh, and we didn't talk about it yet. We'll get to it. But again, percentages in your portfolio. If you have half your money in energy and it's only a 3% weighting in the S&P, then you know, you're going to go as it goes. Um, a lot of times, again, with tech, people might have half of their money in tech. Well, if the S&P with the uh, tech sector and the communication services sector, you add both of those up, it's basically 40% of the S&P anyway. So you're really not that much overweight, you know. So, again, those are things that are kind of in the weeds. Uh, feel free to, uh, again, contact us at Great Lakes Wealth uh, or your, uh, you know, your financial advisor to get more details on that. But we do have a couple more uh, sectors to get to bogey. So sorry for the long uh, winded response on energy, but that is one that we are absolutely looking at right now. I like it. You have a lot of energy, so that's perfect for it. Hey guys, it's bogey. I want to take a second to talk to you about Dewey Stefan and his excellent team at Great Lakes Wealth. Look, do you feel overwhelmed with managing your assets in today's financial world? I mean, think about the times that we're in here in 2020. Do you want financial freedom? Great Lakes Wealth offers Wall Street solutions with Main Street values. They sit down with you to develop custom financial solutions utilizing all of your assets, even your 401k. We build the future you want based on your goals and your dreams. That is what Great Lakes Wealth is all about. Thinking about you, thinking about your family, and thinking about your future. Simply go to greatlakeswealth.us to schedule an appointment today. They offer better investments, better service, and a feedback guarantee. Okay, a feedback guarantee. Your road to financial freedom starts at greatlakeswealth.us. Please visit greatlakeswealth.us or simply give Great Lakes Wealth a call today. We'll move on to real estate. And this is one that, I mean, if I'm thinking of it correctly, 
It's hot right now, if I'm not mistaken. That's a tale of two cities. So in real estate, you have so many subsets of real estate, whether it's apartments, whether it's storage, whether it's office property, whether it's malls, you know, it's hotels. There's so many See, I'm subsets. just thinking the housing, you know, portion of it. Yeah. But yeah, everything else, not so much. Not so much, <laughs> right? And the, uh, re- the real estate sector is newer as well. I want to say it's maybe five years old. So it came on as a sector, again, not too long ago, but again, whether there's REITs or again, other subsets of uh, real estate, you have the haves and have nots. Um, We absolutely believe what you just said, that single family homes and the housing market in some areas of the country is booming. Which is amazing to me. Yeah. With the unemployment numbers, with the, the, you know, the job losses, the, you know, everything that's going on. And yet the housing market is still crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, so so supply and demand. Absolutely. There's a lot of moving parts and we can't get into all of that on on this, on this podcast, Mm -hmm. but You've had years where um, there was extra supply out there and no one was buying homes. And so um, with supply and demand, everyone was happy where they're at. They're building all these homes. And so no one's buying them. So they sit there. Well, now it's the opposite. All the homes, people are in them that wanted them. And so there's no new supply. And with the interest rates as low as they are, you and I were talking before, you're in the market to buy a home. I know you're kind of waiting those interest rates stay low forever. Mm-hmm. And then your investments and then the markets and then gold keep going up. You know what I mean? And so you're going to you're gonna play the game, if you will, for a while and hope that those interest rates don't tick up on you. But anyway, the, uh, the single family home market is booming for sure. Other pieces are either soft or really worrisome. Let's call it hotels. Non-existent right now. Well, again, it just, yeah, so we would even say that could be the opportunity of a lifetime. It also might be a challenge of the lifetime, right? So um, the real estate sector is also a very small component of the S&P, but within there, there are tons of different types of real estate. The largest holding there is called American Tower. The second largest is called Crown Castle International. American Tower makes up 15% of the index. Crown Castle is 9.5%. Those two companies, are you familiar with them at all, Bo? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, um, the name American Tower, that might help you a little bit. American Tower... Either it's American or they deal with towers, maybe both. Okay. What do you think? Maybe both, right? Yeah, probably. Right. So with <laughs> um, so you need land. You have to have land, and then you want to put a tower up so that a satellite signal, a radio signal, a Wi-Fi signal, so that you can have communications. Mm-hmm. You follow me there? Yeah. Okay. So American Tower has the uh, real estate there you put where these towers you know, are, and then technology companies or communications companies you know have to uh, rent space on these towers to get their signals where they need to to go you follow me yeah there? and with sure. 5g this is gonna be huge it already is huge but it's gonna become more and more huge because the transmission rates of data right and so um it's a, it has nothing to do with single family homes it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with uh, malls or office buildings in detroit but it plays a big role huge role and the second name in the index also crown castle international same thing it's also a um, tower company for uh technology transmission so that's a quick overview of mm-hmm. uh, real estate and then inside of there there are the haves and the have-nots. And and lastly here, making up just 2.5% of the S&P 500, materials. Yes. So materials is another sector that um, 
you know, it's been around a long time, plays an important part of the index. The materials sector is composed of companies primarily involved in industries such as chemicals, construction materials, containers and packaging, metals and mining, but not your precious metals and mining, right? Paper and forest products. Inside of this index, the largest component is a company called Lindy. And another, the second company is called Air Products and Chemicals. Third one is Newmont Mining, which actually is a gold and precious metals mining company. Ecolab, and then Sherwin-Williams. Heard of that one? Oh, yeah. Yep, paint company. Yep. DuPont, Demours. DuPont, De Nemours, properly <laughs> pronounced. Dow, it used to be Dow Chemical, now it's just Dow. PPG Enterprises, you familiar with some of those names? Yeah, oh yeah. Right, so that's an index that's, again, very small to the S&P. It usually does well in recessionary times as well because there are some of the construction components that are in here, but it's a sector that really is volatile and as a small piece of the S&P, if you are overweighted at the wrong time, you'll really hurt your returns. And um, it's a sector that um, uh, pay attention to, but not one that, uh, you know, we're doing anything specific on at this time. Well, a a full and complete breakdown there of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500. Excellent stuff. Um, I learned a ton. I'm sure all of our listeners out there, you know, learned a lot as well. Let's make sure that we dive into the Tigers and the start of this season and how exciting, you know, it's been on episode 11 of the What Do We Do podcast. Let's leave that sector breakdown of the S&P 500 for everyone to chew on this week. We'll dive back into the Tigers, and of course, we'll have a ton of other uh, financial subjects to be getting here too here moving forward. Uh, that'll do it for episode 10, the What Do We Do podcast. I'm Kyle Bogey. My main man, Dewey Stephan. Bogey, listen, I appreciate the time today. For our listeners, thank you. That was a long episode. The S&P, all 11 sectors. Uh, We just touched on it. Lots more to it. As we always say, do your work. Take your time. In the month of August, we're looking for increased volatility. Volatility creates opportunity. And I'm going to leave you with a quote today, Bogey. This comes from one of my, um, he's not my mentor, but one of the the fathers of investing, one of the fathers of investing, Bogey, John Maynard Keynes. And he has a quote that says, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, kind sir? Right? And so I'll leave you with that, meaning that as we're in August and in you know the next half of the year with the markets and things are moving all around, let's really take the time to understand why you're investing, what you're investing for, your time frame. We have another 10 episodes coming up, coming into the election, coming into uh, schools, getting back. It's going to be a wild ride. Yes. So again, thanks for everyone's uh, uh, listening today. Thanks for the opportunity for the first 10 episodes. And with that, we'll say see you later. Take care and a big booyah to ya. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.